0: Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Take Back Your Territory podcast. Please visit takebackyourterritory.com to sign up for our newsletter and receive your free e guide to renewing your response. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing to those who you think need to hear this episode or podcast, and for giving us five stars. Your rating helps other people be able to hear this information, learn how to take back your territory, and live freely. If you're interested in coaching, I offer nutrition and exercise coaching, life coaching, all things health and wellness, and even goal setting. For more information, you can go to TakeBackYourTerritory.com. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking about (laughs) self-control. I know that in a lot of episodes I get preachy, I get excited, I get... um, very much into the Bible, very much into faith, and we are definitely talking about those things today, but I want to talk about self-control in, in the perspective of what the Bible says about it, and I just realize I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going totally off memory, um, but I also want to talk about self-control as a metaphysical, metacognition, um, brain science thing. So the reason that I'm talking about self-control is I don't know how many conversations I've been in where people are like, you know what, I have all of the fruits of the spirit. I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. It's that self-control thing that I don't have. There are a lot of people that believe that they cannot control their actions, that they cannot control their thoughts, that they cannot control their emotions. And what I have to say to that is that that is a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. If you believe those things, that is a lie that you are believing that you do not have control. Even people that are not Bible-based people, faith-based people, they have self-control, right? There are many, I'm sorry, I'm drinking coffee. There are many disciplined um, people in this world that act and move and live in the spirit of self-control. And being a believer doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the ability to tap into self-control. All right, the first thing that I want to tell you is, is that you have a choice in absolutely everything. You have a choice in what you eat. You have a choice in if you move your body or not. You have a choice in your thoughts, you have a choice in changing your thoughts, you have a choice in altering your perception, you have a choice in being led by your emotions, being in control of your emotions, disassociating from your feelings, or allowing your emotions to completely take control over you. You have a choice. And the biggest lie that we can believe as humans is that we don't have a choice or that the choice was taken away from us. Now, I am a trauma aware, trauma informed um, coach. So I'm not saying that things that have happened to you and things that have happened to you in your life. And even ways that you are currently right now thinking are all because you've made the wrong choices or somehow you had a choice in a matter that has shaped and affected your life. I'm not saying that. Sometimes our choices are taken away from us, especially as children, and we are forced or we have, you know, a narcissistic parent or a narcissistic person in our life, and they they go through the vein of gaslighting us and they make us believe certain things about ourselves and they make us feel crazy, right? But at the end of the day, you may not be responsible for your first thought, but you are certainly responsible for your second. And maybe we don't always have the tools and maybe we we don't always have the resources around us and maybe we don't have the time and attention to pour into a certain area of our life to find knowledge, education, understanding, wisdom and healing. But then again, I also wanna ask the question, why are you here? You are here because you made a choice to listen to this and not turn my crazy off. right? Okay. All right, so number one, understand that you have a choice. There are two different types of our brain. There is our subconscious and there is our conscious brain. And we can go into the limbic system. We can go into the amygdala and hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex and all of those things. But I want you to think about, I have two brains. The subconscious, the autopilot part of my brain is... Never sleeping, that's where we dream. that's where our our you know just automatic thoughts will come from. that's where our reactions come from. that's where our um i gotta sleep, I gotta eat, I gotta procreate. I'm in danger, I can rest now. All of these things are created in the subconscious mind, and generally, not until we're between the ages of twenty five and thirty do we develop our prefrontal cortex or our adult consciousness. To be able to come into our subconscious and override its more animalistic, more fight or flight, um, not really fight or flight, but more survival mentality. And our subconscious is set up to keep us safe. So for example, as a kid, I was unsafe, I was in pain, I was hurting what did I do to self-soothe? I went to food, to numb out, to self-soothe, to escape, right? That was my fight, flight, or freeze. That was my pattern in my sympathetic nervous system that I need to get out of here. But since I was not allowed to run away from home, I emotionally and mentally got out by going to food. Sugar also will stimulate the parts the, the, the endorphin, the dopamine parts of our brain to give us that feel-good chemical, to give us that feel-good hormone. So I had many things, we have many things that we go to to numb, dull, stimulate, all of these things. And it's all because of what our brain is asking us to give it in the moment. And our brain asks these things based on the world around us, based on our environment, based on our stimulus, okay? So as an adult, we can continue down the path that we were walking in as children. We can continue down the path that our parents walked in, that they showed us, that they groomed us or trained us to walk in. Whether it be good or bad, we have... A choice. We have the ability, and I'm generalizing here, but we have the ability to say no, or to say yes. Especially living in the United States of America, where I'm putting in quotes, it's a free country. We have this freedom. And so many times having this freedom will also reveal how much freedom it has taken from us. Think about food. Think about social media. Think about um, Netflix, all those scrolling channels. Think about the consumerism. Think about keeping up with the Joneses the American dream, right? The older I get, the more I see that that doesn't feel free. And I see this grooming in our culture that if I have this, then I'm gonna be happy. Whenever, if if I reach this goal, if I climb this mountain, if I have this paycheck, if I drive this car, If I marry this person, if I get to a weight, a certain weight, if my, if my thighs don't rub together, if my face will clear up, if my hair isn't gray, if I get Botox in my lips, if my life can look like that over there on the other side of the fence where the grass looks greener, then I'll be happy. But can I tell you That unless you have an inner peace, unless you have an inner joy, or at least a place of rest within you, even if you do achieve those things, you will still find emptiness. They will not satisfy. There's literally nothing on this planet that's going to be able to scratch that itch that you want scratched so badly that you'll do anything to scratch it. It's just simply not going to happen. And so what do we do in our despair? What do we do in our dismay? We keep consuming. We keep working. We keep running. We keep dieting. We keep Botoxing. We keep mask, peel, hair rejuvenation, we keep thinking that, well, then I guess I just have to do more. I guess I just have to go harder. I guess I just have to promote myself more. I guess I just have to hustle harder. Because that what's what the brain does, and that's what our culture says to do. That's what it looks like on the outside. But I can tell you firsthand that that isn't truth. Satisfaction isn't there. Peace isn't there. It's a person and a place that that we find in faith. <clears throat> All right, so coming back to having a choice, coming out of autopilot, making a conscious decision, and being intentional with your choices and being intentional with your life. Let's talk about two things before we dive into um, the next type of like thing that I want to talk about. Let's talk about the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So these are, I believe, parts of your limbic system. The sympathetic nervous system is the part that is flight, fright flight, <laughs> fight, or freeze. And if you have trauma, if you have, you know, chronic pain, if you have a chronic illness, if you have like chronic inflammation, um, generally you're going to be in a sympathetic nervous system. You're, you know, if you I don't know, Let's we can talk about your adrenals, we can talk about your endocrine system, we can talk about your thyroid, we can go into all of those things that being in a sympathetic nervous system for too long will impact. But I kind of want to stay shallow in this and I just want to say, do you suffer from anxiety? Do you suffer from depression? Do you go to created things? in order to numb or ease the emotion or the pain that you're feeling. That sympathetic nervous system is saying, I gotta get out, I gotta run, I gotta numb, I have to fix this because I don't like the way that this feels. But a lot of us get used to feeling this way and it just becomes who we are. It just, oh, I always just have this hum inside my body. Oh, whenever I go into crowds, I shut down. There's nothing wrong with you if if you're here. I wanna say that to you. There's nothing wrong with you. You are just in a product of your environment, the effect of the cause. You are just in a place and a space <laughs> I mean, one plus one is two, right? This happened, this happened, this happened. And so this was the result. But here again, you have a choice to come out of your sympathetic nervous system and into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. If you are a person that works out, um, you know, even easy runs, even, you know, lifting weights or doing CrossFit or doing revelation wellness or anything where you're working out that is done in a sympathetic nervous system that is done at an elevated heart rate and putting your body under stress for a prescribed amount of time is healthy It's healthy for your mental state. It's healthy for your physical state. It's healthy for emotions. It's also healthy for your brain to see that you can do hard things. And that something that would have caused you anxiety and maybe panic five months ago, this exercising, this thing that you do, this intentional sympathetic nervous system activation, which is, we'll just call it exercise, teaches you how to deal with stress. It can teach you how to push through. It can teach you many, many things. I don't know about you, but I often look for the cool down. (laughs) I push hard. I run hard. I run long. I lift heavy. I swing those kettlebells. I do those jump ropes. But it's all so that when I'm done... And I can tap into that parasympathetic nervous system when I can lay on my mat, when I can come down for a walk, when I can stretch out my hamstrings and breathe and come back in my body and come back to myself and come back into a place of rest. That's when healing happens. That's when parts of your brain that haven't fired in a really long time get to fire. That's when we get to come down All right, so we talked about the fact that you have a choice. We talked about thinking that you don't is a lie. We talked about living in autopilot and coming out of it and coming into consciousness, coming into your prefrontal cortex and understanding that you do have a choice. We talked about being intentional and we talked about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Alright, so I want you, if you're writing on a piece of paper, if you're taking notes, good for you, we're friends, we're in the note taker club, All right. I want you to put, take a piece of paper, and on the left side, I want you to write stimulus, and on the right side, I want you to write response. Stimulus and response. Your environment, your world is the stimulus. Anything that you will, or that you do, your subconscious is recording it through your five senses. Tasting, seeing, smelling, touching, tasting. Is there another one? Hearing. And it's even more than that. Emotionally, your subconscious is recording. That's why when we have a memory, when we go back and when we think about things, I can remember my grandma's house. I haven't set foot there for 20 years, 30 years, right? I can remember how it smells. I can remember sitting at her table. I can remember hearing the coffee pouring. I can taste the raspberries that came from her garden. I can step into the feeling of peace and comfort that I got there. That is a beautiful God-given thing that we get to do. Right? And even in that memory, there is a stimulus in there. So, our environment, including what's going on in our brain, is the stimulus. Okay? On the right side, we have response. Uh, Lisa Turker said years ago, I believe when she wrote her book, The Best Yes, is that my response is my responsibility. What you do is not my responsibility. What you think is not my responsibility. We can come out of people pleasing really quickly when we understand that what someone else thinks about us is not our responsibility. But my response to the stimulation of world around me, the world around me, and even in the world, even the world that is within me, I'm going to say that one more time, the world around me and the world within me, I am responsible for my response to those things that is saying that I don't get to live in autopilot. I don't get to live in, well, she said, so I did. Well, they did, so I did. Well, she said, so I said. I don't get to live in, well, my parents, no. Well, I feel, uh uh-uh. I'm not saying that your thoughts and your feelings are invalid. They are 100% 100 valid and real. But your thoughts and feelings, just because you think them and feel them, don't make them truth. Don't make them fact. You can really feel a certain way, but that is your perspective. That is your perception. That is your opinion. And your response to the stimulus around you may not look to my response to the stimulus around me. So even comparing the way that both you and I live and move and act in this world, we can't. All right, so we have stimulus and response, all right? So in coming out of autopilot, take a breath, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. In coming out of autopilot, we get to insert ourselves between our stimulus and our response. This is where we get to show up in our life. This is where we get to show up in our thoughts. This is where the Bible says, take off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. This is inserting yourself between stimulus and response. Those scriptures of that that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. This is inserting yourself between stimulus and response. When Jesus talked about being slapped on the side of the face to turn your head and give him the other side. or When someone steals your tunic, give him the one off your back. This is inserting yourself between stimulus and response. When you see a car accident, you can sit there, you can watch, you can react to it, you can allow yourself to be traumatized by it, or you can act. And move in and go. That is your response. There are people in the you know in, in the military service. Um. And and there are people who, who have been trained to protect us. Hopefully, they have been trained that there is a stimulus, and this is my correct response to it. I believe there needs to be reform done. Their response needs to change based on the stimulus, right? But even my response needs to change based on my stimulus, okay? All right. So how do I insert myself between stimulus and response? Well, this is something that you have to train. Being able to take your thoughts captive, lining it up with the word of God, making them obedient to Christ. This is also Training yourself to come out of that sympathetic nervous system, to come out of response reaction and come into rest, peace. It feels like almost stepping out of yourself in a reaction and stepping into your whole. True self. I recorded a podcast. I don't remember what it was, but what number it was. I think it was 35. It was Stop It. And it was sit down, take a breath, observe your thoughts, posture your heart for the word stop, integrate in, and teach yourself. I use stop it with my binge eating disorder, I use stop it when my kids are being irrational. <laughs> I use it when someone says something hurtful to me on social media. I use it when I see something in the news that breaks my heart. Stop it is a tool that I like to use to insert myself between stimulus and response because it's coming out of that sympathetic nervous system, coming into the parasympathetic nervous system, coming into rest, coming back to myself, coming back to my breath. You think about exercise, there's aerobic and anaerobic. Aerobic means with oxygen, anaerobic means without oxygen. Once you've trained your cardiovascular system to stay in aerobic, you can stay there for a really long time. I've ran a marathon in my aerobic system, you know, six hours of, well, even longer than that, but um, for, for a longer race. But we can train that aerobic system, that with oxygen, because your body your brain is not being depleted of anything. And the things that it is being depleted of hydration, glucose, we can supplement that and give it to it, right? But anaerobic is without oxygen. And there are people that have trained themselves to hang in that system. And there are people, you know, that you can train to increase your VO two max and all of that. But those people are sprinters. Those people are going hard for three, four, five minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes. But then eventually you have to rest. You have to come back to your breath. You have to bring oxygen back to yourself. Inserting yourself between stimulus and response is coming out of that anaerobic, it's coming out of the sympathetic coming into para, where you can think good thoughts, where you can come back to your breath. So the first thing that I want to say to you is to try this. You have the option, you have the choice to try this. The world that we live in right now is reactionary. We have fear-mongering, we have things on the news, we have people fighting, we have death. We have destruction. And if I can be so bold to say this, it's only going to get worse. We are in the dark days, right? And we need to learn. We need to train on how to still live here, how to still be here, how to still have joy here, how to still find peace here in these moments, because the days are only going to be getting darker. And I'm not saying this to make you afraid of anything. I'm saying this to prepare you, to get you ready, not activating your sympathetic, not activating your fight, flight, or freeze, but teaching you how to come into rest. So learning how to do these things now is very good. And it's also fruitful. Okay? Peace is a fruit of the spirit. Love. Joy. How can you have joy if you're freaking out about everything that's going on around you? How can you have joy? You can't. All right. So we're going to be intentional here. So I challenge you. Today, to be aware of your surroundings, be aware of your stimulus. Is it on your phone? Is this where anxiety is coming from? Is checking the news? Um, what about scrolling through social media? What about falling into the comparison trap? What about um, uh, maybe a certain person at work or a certain person at church? Or you know, let's have a boundary here, in in the name of self care. Let's insert ourselves between the stimulus, this feeling that this person, place, or thing is, I don't want to say causing, but that we may be responding or reacting to. And I want you to take a breath. Put your hands on your heart. Feel yourself breathe. Emotions are energy in motion. An energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. We can change the energy, the emotion within ourselves, but we can't make it go away. So taking a breath, taking a beat, and breathing. Breathing. Activate that parasympathetic nervous system so that you can think clearly. So that you can come into wisdom. Maybe instead of reacting to the person in front of you, you can respond with grace. You can give yourself space and the person in front of you space where you get to be who you are taking up the space that you take up in the places that you get to take it up in and allowing the stimulus to also take up its space. I'm thinking of the scripture that they will walk through fire and not get burned, that they will walk through the waters and not drown, or not even get wet. Do you think that there is a place of peace while walking through fire and walking through flooded, a flooded place, walking through waves, where we can still remain at peace, remain at rest? Absolutely. And that is because we're choosing to insert ourselves between our stimulus and our response. We're choosing to come back to ourselves, to come back into faith, To come back into what we believe, maybe come back into our scripture, come back into our mantra, come back into our word, and being intentional with our thoughts, and not allowing our emotions and the world around us to really make us people that we don't want to be. There are so many times I've put myself in situations, especially when I was younger, before I was 25, where I felt like in an instant I would wake up and I would think, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't what I do. I don't drink. I don't hang out in bars. I don't gossip. I don't slander. This isn't me. And in all of those moments, it was because I didn't take a beat. I didn't take a breath. I just reacted. All of the times that I've gone to the cupboard and binge eating, the last 36 years, ever since I was four, I was reacting. I was responding. And I was doing it in a way that didn't reflect my values and the person that I truly am. So pay attention to that today. In the name of self-control, pay attention to um, those things that we talked about. So there's something else that I want to talk about in this specific podcast of self-control. So switch gears for a second, and let's think about you or your children as kindergartners learning math, all right? Your you or your children did not show up to kindergarten and have the expectation put on them that they can do division and multiplication that day, did they? Their teachers didn't hand them a standardized test and say, show me what you got, and then put that expectation on them to do well. So then why do we put the expectation on ourselves, even as adults, that when we're learning something new, when we're trying something new, that we have to be 100% perfect, 100% of the time, from day one? Why is it that even in diet culture, we sign up for this six-week, nine-week, 12-week program where all of our food is going to be perfected and laid out for us, we're going to have this exercise program, and we put the expectation on ourselves to follow it 100%. And we're two days in, three days in, maybe 21 days in. And we fall off the wagon. We shame and guilt and beat ourselves up for not following through. Can I say, knock it off. Stop putting the expectation on yourself that you will be able to completely change your habits in the most primal part of yourself overnight. Does that mean that you don't have a choice? No. Does that mean that this is a scapegoat and a way out from having to make a choice and having to have self-control and self-discipline? No. But this means that we need to change the way we think about change. Not a single diet that I ever followed Met me as the person that I am. I was given a pamphlet, a template, a program chicken, rice, broccoli. Fruit is bad, carbs are bad, but these carbs are good. Eat every three hours, intermittent fasting, eat once a day. Meat is bad, vegetables are bad. No wonder we're confused frustrated, overweight, and just done with this whole thing. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But as far as I stand, (laughs) I'm done with diet culture and diet mentality. Or at least I'm done with what it's done to me. All right, so... We don't. It doesn't have to be about dieting. It could be about anything new that you want to do in your life. A book that I can recommend that it is an amazing book is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, get it from your library, Audible it, buy it from Amazon. Atomic Habits. He talks about making small changes that lead to really big changes. Right? It's it's the power of the one percent. But here's the three things that I want to give you today. When you are going to make a change in your life, first of all, make the decision for this change in your parasympathetic nervous system, in a place of rest, in a place of inserting yourself between stimulus and response. Because if your response to... Maybe um, a binge or a night out and you ate a pizza. Or maybe your response to you stepped on the scale. Or maybe your response to someone calling you fat. Or maybe your response to, I don't even know, insert here, is to boom, fix. Go buy a diet. Go sign up for a plan. Hire a personal trainer. Like boom, 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 boom. And I'm going to fix this. This is my response. This is how I'm going to change my life. This is how nobody's going to call me fat again. This is how nobody's going to call me ugly again. This is how I'm not going to get that comment on social media ever again. It's because I'm going to fix this. and am be 100% about it. I'll tell you right now, knock it off. <laughs> there are three ways that we make changes. And not changes that only last for three months. Changes that last for the rest of your life. And the way that we have to learn it, the way that we have to retrain our brain, the way that we have to insert ourselves between stimulus and response is slow and methodical. So the first thing that we have to do when making a change, especially a life-altering change, is we have to learn the mechanics of something. Write down the word mechanics. This is how it works. Now, I might be a person that is, I have to know why, I have to know the reason, I have to know the science, and until I can settle and know that I know, and this is why, I don't really settle down. That's just the way that I am. That's the way that I am with the Bible. I'm a Berean. That's the way that I am with science. That's the way that I am with personal training. That's the way that I am with coaching. Give me the base, fundamental understanding, and then we've got to go all the way down (laughs) because I'm just going to keep asking why. So we first have to learn the mechanics. The mechanics of weight loss are not just calories in, calories out. They are not weight loss is hormonal. Weight loss happens when our bodies are at a place of peace, when we're resting, when we're sleeping, when we're managing our stress, when we're eating healthy food, when we're not having sugar, when we're not also restricting ourselves. You know why the whole, all of the diets didn't work? It's because they never talked to my binge eating disorder. And my binge eating disorder was there, yes, from childhood and pain, but it was also there because of my chronic restriction. Because I have a brain that wants to protect me. And when I eat 1200 calories or 1500 calories and then go for a 10 mile run, and I only refill myself with uh, below my basal mod- metabolic rate every single day, that I got to save her mentality in the back of my brain and my limbic system is going to kick in and I'm going to go eat a pizza with some cake and some ice cream on the side. We're fighting nature here, folks. (laughs) But again, we have self-control. All right, so we have to learn the mechanics of something. We have to learn how something works. So learning... If, you, if, you, if it's about weight loss right now, we, you have to learn how the body works, the hormones, the brain, especially if you've, you've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. We need to know why we're doing this, why this is going to work, All right. We have to get settled on something in our souls, in our minds, okay? A lot of times, we can just visualize. We can explain. We can read an article. And that is enough for some people. My mom went on Weight Watchers when I was in high school and lost like 100 and some pounds. And she's kept it off her whole life because she believes that counting points and eating that way is right for her. And and it shows. It is for her. But I've signed up for Weight Watchers 10 or 12 or 15 times. And I can't stay on it for longer than three days. Why? That's another podcast. All right. So learn the mechanics, figure out why you're doing it, and even some visualization, some big whys. Uh, really setting yourself up for success in your mind and in your soul, because that's still you inserting yourself between your stimulus and response. Because how many times are you going to be feeling an emotion, and or you're out with your friends, or you're out of your normal thing, and you're around another stimulus? And instead of doing what you've always done, you have to insert yourself in the vein of self-control and make a change there, right? So visualizing and figuring out why you're doing this, a big why, it's much easier to to, let's use this word, I guess, convince yourself of your, this is why I'm not going to do it. Of because I want to be healthy, because I want to be disease free, because I want to feel good tomorrow, because I don't want my joints to ache, then because sugar is bad for me. Being emotionally attached to your why is such a good way to insert yourself before you respond, then some like, well, sugar is bad and I don't want to be bad. Like, no. Let's be real here, okay? I don't want my joints to hurt. I don't want diabetes. I don't want heart disease. I want to get off these medications. I don't want to have migraines. Um, I have an autoimmune disorder. I don't want to have a flare-up. Make your why personal, okay? And attach it to the mechanics. The next thing that we need to understand about making a change in our life is that before we can add intensity, we must prove our consistency. So we can, we can narrow this down with eating, but let's go to exercising, okay? You haven't maybe exercised in a week, a month, a year, your whole life. I don't know. But the guy next to you is deadlifting 200 pounds, okay? You look at his form. He's doing good. Awesome. And you go over and you're like, well, I can I can deadlift 250 pounds. I'm strong. All right. And maybe you can lift that. Or maybe you break your back. Or maybe you have wrong form, which I'm assuming that you would. <laughs> um, putting intensity on yourself without consistency is just really stupid. Um, It is not wise, I guess I should say. You might be able to pull that barbell up. You might be able to lift that weight. But what's it going to do to your knees? Are you going to pull a hamstring? Is it going to affect your low back? Are you going to pop a blood vessel? Like, are you going to be able to go outside the next day and go for a walk? The same thing happens in running. It's the same thing with weightlifting. The same thing with dieting. The same thing with even going back to school and learning something. Not allowing yourself to be, you know, it's almost just like giving yourself grace and compassion to learn a new thing. That's really what we need to do. Grace and compassion to learn a new thing in the vein of self-control and self-discipline. So we have to be consistent. Um, I've been a runner for over 10 years now, ultra runner marathons, whatever. But I've had three babies and every time after a baby, it was like I was a beginner again. I'd run a marathon in, in the end of 2010, got pregnant with my middle kid I couldn't even run a mile, you know, by like a year later when she was three months old. So we can't even, when we're starting out, expecting ourselves to do the thing well, to do it instantly, to do it perfectly, and even to do it with joy. is not the greatest expectation that's going to set you up for success down the road. Starting small and doing that small thing consistently. When I got back into running after my third child was born, um, I knew by this point, it was 2013, that I have to start with a tenth of a mile at a time. And I can run a tenth of a mile and then walk three tenths of a mile. And I could do that three or four times. And I did that every day. And then I could run two tenths of a mile and a quarter mile and a half mile. Finally, I was back up to running a full mile at a time. But the only reason that I got to be able to run a full mile at a time is the month that I put in being consistent every single day or six days a week, working on running that mile. And then once the mile was accomplished, then it's a mile and a half, then it's two miles, then three. And then I eventually worked my way up to, you know, whatever, the, the longest distance that I've ran, which is um, 35 miles. So thinking that we can make a change in our life and do it one time and expect results is unwise. Wisdom says that I'm going to have to do this every single day. Changing your mind, renewing your mind, you have to work on this every single day and throughout the day inserting yourself between stimulus and response, you have to do this every single day, multiple times a day. When your kid went to kindergarten and she didn't learn um, division and multiplication in kindergarten, what did she have to learn? She had to learn what numbers look like, how to write them, how to say them. And then she had to count on her fingers well, this this plus this, 4 on my right hand plus 4 on my left hand equals 8. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Okay, you see this? And then she had to learn what a plus sign is. And then she had to learn what an equal sign is. And then she had to learn what a sum is. And then we go into subtraction. We're not going to be able to learn multiplication and division without learning subtraction and addition. But we're not going to be able to learn addition and subtraction without consistently learning numbers. It's the same thing with making a change in your life. We must do things consistently. If you are five, 10, 15, 100, 200 pounds overweight, eating healthy for four days is not going to give you the results that you are expecting. But if you can come down Out of that expectation and find yourself in the journey and love yourself through the journey and learn how to accept yourself as you are today, that is going to promote you to be able to accepting yourself when you do get to that weight or even if you don't get to it. I'm 180 pounds today, heavier than I was a year ago. And I was still trying to learn how to accept myself because shaming and hating myself is certainly not going to shift the scale in the right direction. It's technically going to make it harder because I'm in fight or flight, which means I'm not in rest, which means I don't feel safe to lose this fat. Right? Okay. All right. So we have to learn the mechanics. We have to do it consistently. And then once we've done it consistently, which it could be five days, seven days, 21 days, 60 days, six months, six years, seven years, a decade, I don't know. But at some point, that's when you get to add intensity. That's when you get to add the intensity. So you're starting a diet. You need to, you need to, you know, get off sugar, get off refined stuff because you know how inflammatory it is. Um, maybe it's just not eating sugar is your mechanics right now. And and being able to feel your emotions and and seeing maybe the addiction and seeing your feelings around that and being able to process and not go to the cupboard in in a time of anxiety. Maybe that's where your mechanics are right now. Do those consistently before you add something else in to change. I can tell you right now, if you can get off sugar for four days, grin and bear it and white knuckle it and sit on your hands and whatever you can do for four days to not have any sugar and then make the decision not to go back once those four days are over, That addiction is broken. Now, when you go have cake, (laughs) there it is again. There it's in your body. Now you're getting the dopamine. You know what I'm saying? It's opening the door to other things. I am an all or nothing kind of girl. I have to say absolutely no shit because I know myself. Because I've been with myself for 40 years, right? So consistently doing it. All right, so you've been off sugar for four days. You're feeling great. You feel like you can move on to something else. All right, let's get off refined flour. That's your bread, your pasta, basically all white things, even your white potatoes, which, oh, I love me some potato. But, um, yeah, inflammatory, right? Okay, do that. There's another thing that you can do. And can you do it consistently? What happens when it's the weekend? We still want to maintain consistency. Just because it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday does not mean that you do not need to have self-control. It does not mean that your consistency gets to go out the window. Once you've begun a hundred million times, you're going to want to stop being a beginner. You're going to want to say goodbye to day one, and you're going to want to say hello to day eight, right? All right. All right. So you notice that I said when you're starting something like a diet, like removing sugar and removing um, processed things and white, white things from your, your food, I didn't say remove sugar, remove potatoes, remove starches, remove all your fruit, um, intermittent fast to only eating at noon and at 6, only drink water and go. How long are you going to be able to stay on that? How much self control are you going to be able to have? How many times throughout the day are you going to have to insi- insert yourself between stimulus and response? Your feelings, your emotions, your withdrawals, your phys- physicality, your your subconscious—the thing that's trying to keep you safe—the dopamine that wants to have it—it um, uh, it ignited, uh, you know—the stress hormone, glucose is down, like. How are you going to be able to fight that? How are you going to be able to overcome that intensity? I have no idea. So, why are you expecting yourself to do it? And why are you holding yourself to the expectation of perfection? Please stop. Give yourself grace. So, making a change. We learn the mechanics, we attach our why, we do it consistently. And when we're ready to add intensity, if it takes away our peace, if it takes away our joy, then let's just come back into consistency. There are people that 100% cut sugar out of their diet and took the weight off. Did they lose 50 pounds in a month? No. Did it take them a year? Maybe. But they did it consistently. They consistently inserted themselves between stimulus and response. The stimulus of the cookies in front of them. The stimulus of the cake in front of them. The stimulus of whatever is in front of them. Even the stimulus of the stress and our response to eat sugar in the midst of it. They put themselves in the middle of stimulus and response. With the spirit of self-control, self-care, love, compassion, kindness, grace. And they were able to do it consistently. All right. I think I've talked long enough. Thank you for staying with me. Um, I want to let you know that on my website, takebackyourterritory.com, there is a free ebook called Renewing Your Response. I go more in depth than what I talked about on this podcast about inserting yourself between stimulus and response. I also just published um, the first 30 days of the Redefine Wellness intensive that I wrote like two years ago. And um, we went from redefine wellness to take back your territory Um, through COVID, that's where God led things to go. The intensive is being turned into a book with a bend on, uh, being a Christian with depression and anxiety. Um, but there's 30 days of the first 30 days of that intensive where we're going deep, we're going in, um, we are taking back places of our hearts and places of our mind and we're doing it, um, you know, hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. So both of those things are on the website, takebackyourterritory.com. If this helped you at all, please give me your feedback, five stars, because five is an odd number and I like odd numbers. Um, Share it on your social media. Go ahead and tag me. I'm takebackyourterritory on Instagram. Um, And I just started my running Instagram back up. If you want to follow me through my training this year, it's runlindsay. That's R-U-N-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. But other than that, thank you so much for joining me and keep moving forward.